Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Baddies Mean Business Podcast. The podcast meant to inspire you to live a beyond average life. Now, let's get into it. Welcome back, Baddies, to this week's episode of Baddies Mean Business Podcast. Today, we have two very special guests, Brian Hanna and Liam Howlett. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Go ahead and say your name, age, and a fun fact about yourself. Hey, buddies. I'm Brian. I'm 20 years old. I've lived in San Diego my whole life, and I played football for many years, but my only concussion was in volleyball. What's up, buddies? My name is Liam. I'm 23. I was born in LA. Um, fun fact about me, I can eat a surprising amount of spice. So Brian, Liam, and I are all fourth-year students at San Diego State University. We all met through the Law and Entrepreneurship Program like every single other person I bring onto this podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about various different topics. Um, something that both Liam and Brian have in common is that they both work very closely with companies or founded companies. Brian, you want to talk on yours? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't found this company, but my uncle started a food and beverage company. Uh, years ago and I urged my family to be part of it so uh, the company is cool chef foods it's an organic food and beverage company we have organic ranch and mayonnaise that's gluten-free dairy-free non-gmo and kosher and I was involved with this for a little over a year I was doing the sales for it I forced my family to be part of it I grew it from uh, into from zero stores into over 170 that would carry the water and uh, many stores that carried the ranch and mayonnaise as well. I was uh, going store to store and reaching out to buyers for the ranch and mayonnaise. And uh, I learned a lot during the process of what industry analysis should be and what I would do for my next venture. And what venture are you going into now? Uh, I'm currently doing customer discovery for a with I'm currently doing customer discovery for a market research firm dealing with ghost kitchens and restaurants. And for those who do not know what a ghost kitchen is, what is it? A ghost kitchen is a commercial kitchen that is only used to make the food and uh, it's not you can't eat there. They just deliver or they'll uh, have you pick up. Great. Thank you, Brian. And then also, Liam. Let's go ahead and get here your elevator pitch for your company. Yeah, so I've been working in startups for about five years. Um, I've uh, directly started four companies and did a part of five as a founder or partner. Um, I exited once. Uh, failed once. And um, the other career is successful currently. Uh, the longest one being a small sim provider. We're one of the nation's largest, we're the fourth largest nation, uh, also provided in the United States. So you guys both are in very different industries, but what is something that you have, like, let's talk on, like, when you first started. Is this something, like, what, did you see yourselves being where you are today when you first started off your ventures? Brian? I don't think I've changed too much, except in my, uh, in how I interpret business plans and my thinking in general in terms of confidence and just taking a shot. Uh, what else did you say? Um, like how you, who you were basically when you started off compared to who you are now. Okay. When I first started, I was 18. Uh, I 
I saw my uncle creating this company and some people were involved and he asked me to help out because there wasn't anyone doing sales. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then uh, eventually I was like very interested in joining just because I thought like, if I'm this young, I have this opportunity to just take a shot and uh, why would I pass up on that opportunity? And now I see that it should have been more than just taking a risk. I should have done more research into uh, seeing how the business would succeed, any pitfalls, any associated risks, what is my opportunity cost, and other things like that. And most people your age should not talk like the way you talk. And so how would you like encourage people who started off as young as you guys both did? Like, How would you encourage them or why would you encourage them to do what you did? Starting off so young, I when I started when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I said I was going to be an electrical engineering major just because I wanted to make some money. I didn't like the idea of it. I did not know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it. I can't. Uh, I changed into finance because I do like the idea of uh, projecting how a business may may will uh, will do. And I think there's a little like sense of magic in that. Uh, Witchcraft. So, so the reason I I kind of changed the way I am. Uh, I I seek out opportunities at SDSU. I joined the FIS uh, club, Finance and Investment Society. It showed me different avenues in finance I might like. I got interested in venture capital, which uh, got me interested in. Which I, I was really interested in entrepreneurship, but this got me equally interested into startups. And uh, then I took the opportunity to join Mavin. It was all a matter of uh, doing the right things and putting myself out there. How about you, Liam? You know, coming, because uh, I did mine straight out of high school, um, very, the future is very ambiguous, um, very cloudy. It really was not a, a clear defined roadmap for me, and that's um, it was a very interesting journey. Uh, where, where I was then was trying to figure out really what I wanted to do with my life and what um, what types of activities made me happy, what interested me, what did I, uh, what kind of jobs did I think I would find fulfillment and enjoy and, and find uh, intriguing uh, in year ten or. As much in year ten as much uh, comparatively to year one, so it's it's, it's definitely been an interesting journey. Um, comparatively today, I would say that I have a much more firm grasp on you know where I want to be and what I want to do. I, I really got into startups and really loved. Um, funnily enough, what most hate about it, which is the the volatility and the unknown. Um, the more that you embrace that, the more that uh, the more that you like that. The more, the better of a fit joining a startup will be for you. Um, there's a lot you get to figure out. There's a lot you get to learn. Um, a lot of opportunities that a lot of big companies will never give you because um, you're not in a high enough position, or you know the job you have to do involves a combo of positions. It's a lot of really great experience, and you know if you ever have to go back to corporate America, it gives you just such a versatile set of skills from having to build from nothing, um, which is a very it's a fun experience looking back. 
So we all kind of work in startups and something that also appeals to me because Liam was just talking about how, um, you know, startups are a lot of unknown. And it's very difficult um, avenue to pursue. Um, I would agree. Also, I like the challenge of the fact that it's like there's so many possibilities of where it can go. Um, yet it's just like it's something that's a lot more challenging, a lot more risky than it would be to go to corporate America, which I think honestly is more fun. So what would you recommend to people who want to start off kind of young when it, within the startup ecosystem? So to answer that question, I'll give a little bit of insight into my own history, how I started. Um, first, first note being, first and foremost, we live in a time when there's really the lowest barrier ever to building a business. Any piece of information you want as far as building a business is the, the tip of your fingers going through Google and searching it. Um, you know, also being in college and, and a, a young adult, you relatively have the lowest risk at any point in life. You don't have a mortgage, you don't have kids, um, you know, your dog can live off eating burritos if you really want it. So it's really, you know. Did you say your dog? Your dog, cat. <laughs> at one point, I was like feeding my cat like in and out to eat burritos. No way. Yeah, so. Leo. Yeah, that was cool. It was all good. Um, <laughs> Where's your cat? Well, he's hit the bed. <laughs> I do not remember you having a cat. Yeah, I didn't know that. In LA? Yeah, he's like close to 30 pounds. He's a chunky boy. Oh, I wonder. No neck. Why? There's like no <laughs> neck at all. It's just like basically head and then just like round and then like pause. He's rolling. Yeah, well, like also don't be afraid to network and talk to people. You know, there, there is a student card. It does exist and it is great. You can talk to anybody. Um, I used to walk into university launchpad programs for universities I did not go to and go talk to their entrepreneurship professors and try and participate in some of their events and get into the ecosystem. I met a lot of um, the founders and people I know um, in the, the Los Angeles startup ecosystem, which are really helpful. There's a lot of resources out there. You just have to go find them and you have to go ask. There's getting rejected is just a part of the process. If you're not getting rejected now, you're going to get rejected when you're raising money. So getting used to hearing the word no, come better sooner than ever. And when you say literally walk in, you mean literally walked into these. Yes, I quite literally messaged the director at USC, walked onto the campus, gave him my pitch deck, and asked for guidance, to which he sent me to their launch pad. Um, and I started talking to um, the launch pad director and um, just getting general advice and stuff like that. These guys want to help you, so they're there for. Most of the time, they're founders that have already exited. They want to meet students that are really passionate about it. They want to meet students with massive goals and massive dreams. That's the things that interest them. 99% of the students that will come through there do not have that. So when they see it, they've lost it. What is it like being around a bunch of students who are all trying to start companies with the programs such as like Lavin? But there's also other programs such as REC, which also is an incubator in San Diego, um, ran by Tanya Hertz, one of our uh, leads for the Lavin Entrepreneurship Program. But yeah, so talk on the fact that we are all what is it like being around a bunch of young individuals who are all trying to start companies, which can be seen as a very daring task? We started in Lavin last year, and that was during COVID. So when we did it during then, uh, during that time, none of us really, I mean, in my situation, I was just working on Cool Chef Foods, but I was always interested in business ideation, but not much of implementation or going through with the process or any of that. But once we got into meeting in person and actually making friends with each other rather than just saying, like, oh, hi, I know this person. Um, it gives a different sense of 
innovation and willingness to put in the work and uh, that in-person relationship that you develop really is different when, than when you're just alone. Uh, without Liam and Riley and other people helping guide me, I would not. I would probably not be falling through with the idea I'm trying to fall through with right now. I would be pretty stuck, and I'd probably be looking for uh, an internship rather than start. Honestly, personal opinion. I think it's very valuable to be around like like-minded individuals who are all trying to pursue something that's very difficult. But yes, I'm very interested in your perspective, Leon. Um, San Diego is significantly less competitive and intimidating than some of the other schools I've been to. And some of the other schools I've been to. Um, you know, there are, <clears throat> just to give an example, um, you know, there, there are definitely leagues to this. Um, and, you know, the, the guys at Stanford and MIT and Cambridge and um, to some extent, USC, depending on the year, BYU um, too, can, can definitely be um, intimidating. Um, like I know that in twenty, I would say it's 2020, 2019, there were guys who were three D printing rocket parts, and they got like a contract for NASA, and they're you know producing these mass engines off three D printers and saying, um, I think that in general, surround yourself more than lab in the general ecosystem with all these different students of all these different levels is massively beneficial. You know, it really pushes you to reconsider what is what you're capable of, what you're possible of, expand your horizons. Um, and you get to meet a lot of really creative people because typically a lot of these people that are running with these ideas are, are probably people that didn't fit into very traditional people. Very traditional schools or classrooms, or you know, people that just probably feel you know they probably would get seven back to class or so, you know, two and a half. It's probably because they're working on something so ridiculous that a lot of people in class, you know, that's really dumb or that doesn't make sense. And you know, it does make sense, but it's pretty out there, you know, and that's always need to be around. Where would you recommend to go then? What's your like? What has like been something that has helped you tremendously when it came to your? whole entrepreneurial journey. It's just like anything else in life. There are a lot of pros and cons. And each of the schools, funnily enough, offer are really strong in one specific aspect. So USC is just networking. Nuts. Anybody could ask for this right there. Um, so thank you to all the people at USC, specifically UCR, that helped me on my journey. I appreciate you guys. I had no idea UCR had a program for one. Yeah, UCRs is insane. The guy who runs it is named Scott. Um, uh, and Scott runs a really great program. There's a lot of opportunity. He connects entrepreneurs in the program with local business owners, and um, they've, raised, uh, they've raised quite a bit of money out of their incubator. Uh, I think really where you want to go for this depends on what your passion is. Um, it, there are a lot of different accelerators, there are a lot of different incubators, and a lot of different resources, but you need to figure out what vertical you want to be in. That'll take a lot. So, like, you want to do SaaS, you want to do software, San Francisco, you know, go to USF, go to Berkeley, go to Davis, go to Stanford. Um, you want to do more engineering, uh, maybe software, MIT. You want to do, um, you need a really good network, USC. You want to do clean tech, green tech. UCR. I mean, they're just, it really just depends on what you want to do. A lot of the schools have focuses. So when speaking to other individuals around our age, do you have, what are common things that come up when you say, oh, I run a company, I 
work for a company. I help, I help run a company. What, what do, what's typically a reaction you get from other individuals? Uh, I get some people like really impressed and uh, they're really supportive. I get a lot of people, many of them are honestly good friends and they're like, what are you doing here? And, until you make it, you're going to get a lot of haters. And uh, I mean, that's like a given. Uh, but it just depends. If, if you're with people that are like-minded, like we said earlier, people that are truly supportive of of you and they see you as someone that takes initiative or someone slightly outside of the box, uh, that's a good thing. I, I get people that want, me, people that urge you to take the common route or take less risk or to um, just fall into a job and make like six figures a year and do whatever you want, you know? But sometimes it's not about money and sometimes it's about not getting enough money. Uh, Sometimes it's just like you're kind of asking to not make much money, but but for the potential of a bigger reward. Yeah. What's a common reaction you get when you tell people what you do? Um, typically, I don't tell people. If you know, it means that you probably have found me on LinkedIn or you know me personally. Um, you penetrated the circle. Yeah, you penetrated the circle for sure. <laughs> I mean, just because I. Not, okay, first of all, I think it's important to note 99% of the people I hang around are founders. So, you know, the majority of my conversations day to day are about how people can do the insane. You know, um, a great example of this would be, um, you know, uh, there's a there's a guy I know trying to fill like, started his business a couple months ago and then um, trying to fill like 1,800 jobs, you know, like it's been two weeks, you know, because they're a recruiting firm. And I was like, Wow, that's insane. And he's like, yeah, everyone keeps telling me, like, it's not going to happen. Like, yeah. And he has this. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You'll figure it out. Minor, deep, minor task. Well, I mean, you know, when you start when you start building startups, you know, 14 days is a lot of time. So, you know, for normal people, that's like, you know, panic mode. Wow, I got two weeks. For us, it's like, 13 more days. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got 13 days before it's going to catch traffic. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you, you probably, just to answer your question, I don't think that anybody knows I run businesses unless, you know, unless you know me. I don't talk to people in class unless I have to, or, you know, you guys didn't laugh and didn't even know until you, know, you read the bio or something like that. Do you guys have, like, a moment in your career thus far that you're, like, it's, like, a badass moment? Like, is there something that you can think of like I remember we were just talking Liam about the negotiation tactics you were pulling on some people and you're teaching us about it but like something beyond that I think for me it's like when we go positive um there's one venture in particular where um we used to take out a loan and we were really leveraged out and it was really scary for about 90 days you know being like 19 and close to six figures in debt um so finally getting paid was kind of like Christmas times 100. You have lived a lifetime, dude. Okay, so now we are going to take a little bit of a turn and start talking about some more personal questions. Um, so for starters, I guess we'll hop right into it. Let's say you two were writing a book about yourselves, a memoir, whatever the case may be. What would you want the people reading your book to know about you and what you stand for? 
what would you put in that book? Like, what would you say about yourself and like what you stand for in life? <laughs> what are you passionate about and what do you stand for? What could you share with the world right now? Let's yeah, say, yeah. what would, do you want me to start? No. Do you want to hear about Actually, me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I had to say one principle I stand by in life is that you can't go anywhere without other people. Like you can't go anywhere with a professionally, personally. I feel like the most important thing you can do is talk to as many people as possible, learn about as many people's lives. Every single per dude, every single person in this world lives a completely different life and has experienced completely different things, yet people think that it's okay to stay within them own selves. Like I think that's wild. And so I think one of my favorite things to do in life is talk to people understand the way they think and then just like kind of take it on from there and just like it naturally alters my own person perspective on life okay i guess it's my turn um what i stand for i feel like this is a really complicated question for me because when i was thinking of what i wanted to say i couldn't really put it into like a sentence and said like a word kind of came up in my mind if that makes sense and the word that stuck out to me the most was compassion and I feel like the idea of compassion is like being compassionate towards others and towards yourself because I just personally think it's like the key fundamental route for success because if you can be a compassionate person that automatically lines up with how you love people and care for people and empathize with people and everything of that sort. And so I just feel like to live a really fulfilled life and a happy life is to overall just be compassionate and i personally wouldn't want to live a really sad life and so i'm i try to go out of my way to be a compassionate person no matter what phase of life or area of life whether that's personally or career-wise or anything of the sort i just think that ultimately being a compassionate person will just make you a happy person Happiness is one of the key parts of success, in my personal opinion. Obviously, all that is easier said than done, but I just think the ultimate idea of just trying to go out of your way to be a really good person and try to just make the world a better place will go hand in hand with a lot of really positive things in your life and everything that comes with it. So that's kind of like my answer on what I stand for is just being a good person, being compassionate and being kind. So your turn, Brian. Okay, I've always been decent at like academics and stuff, which I think is detrimental. Uh, detrimental. Yeah. The reason I think doing like focusing so much on school, which if it's not it's not bad, it's actually good. But if if it brings you at a disadvantage in terms of feeling comfortable with execution, that's where I was. So executing was never something I was comfortable with until like Cool Chef Foods because my whole life I was just thinking like, yeah, maybe I'll just get a job. And I kept on finding that I was unhappy in what I was doing and in the way I was limiting myself. I would say in, in all, you, you should never limit yourself and always think about, it's healthy to think about the end of your life. And at the end of your life, if you are on your deathbed thinking about all the opportunities and risks that you didn't take, you'd be ashamed. So take that as motivation into executing and implementing how you truly want to live your life and have a lasting impact. 
I want to talk about that for a second because I, as we all know, I'm definitely more of an advocate as like learning from life than learning from school. Like I would 100% agree. And I feel like that's something that like we are taught from a young age that school, school, school is more important or which is, it's important. Don't get me wrong. Because we wouldn't access the resources that we do without school. But like, I also just think that there's just so much better opportunities like going out of your way to like, just learn from other people and learn from other experiences. Yeah, I think you should always like, yeah, school's valuable. A lot of it's not, but a lot of it is. And uh, implement like the right strategies and things that they teach us in school. But you have to always like take the extra mile and apply it in real life and find the right people to help you, like what Riley was saying. And a lot of people are interesting. And if you're going to just be stuck to by yourself, reading a textbook, you're not going to feel comfortable doing anything. The fundamental piece of my book would be... <laughs> <laughs> the fundamental piece. Like I would just like He's to say, like... I would like to say that we do not talk like this on the personal. Like, my fundamental thesis is not a word that would come out of our mouth. It's a really good statement. Keep going. Sorry. I mean, you know, Nike has a various slogan to just do it. You know, you can figure 99% of things out. There is a way to do almost anything you want to, um, you know, someone tells you that you can't build something or that it's dumb, you know, maybe it is, but go figure it out, just do it, just go figure it out. You don't know how to do it, Google search it, just try it, it's like, no harm, right? I, I try and live day to day with just about zero regrets, as both Riley and Brian know. Very much so. so. You know, uh, if you can laugh it off and just accept, you know, it doesn't go your way uh, as much as it does. You feel a lot more satisfied with your, your day-to-day. There are really no lingering thoughts at the end of the day about what could I have done? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? You've given every day your uh, your own. You've done what you wanted to do. Um, you, you know, and most importantly is um, it's an entrepreneur building, you know, a growing venture. You know, people talk about this a lot, but I don't think a lot of people really execute on it. Um, making an impact where you can. Um, the world is a hard enough place for a lot of people, and as you begin to grow a scaling business, it becomes fairly plausible to make a lot of change with, with little effort um, on your end. Um, and it, I, I do think that um, at your core as a, as a person, it is kind of your responsibility to uh, make the world better place around you if you have that opportunity. When the small things that you do can make a massive difference in someone else's life. So have that opportunity to build a growing business and to help people, you know, leverage that to make the world a better place. Be the change that you want to see in the world. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, well said. What do you think about those ideas that you're like, oh, that has a great like growth opportunity for like financially, but it doesn't necessarily solve a lot of people's like big problems versus the ones that are like trying to solve big problems but don't have financial opportunity. What do you think about those? What do I think about them or what's realistic? Yeah, what's like what should like route would you choose? Like because I feel like that's a common thing that happens. Like there's something like people try to f- solve big problems, but it doesn't always necessarily have. That's why there's so many nonprofits. Like I feel, in my personal perspective, I feel like it's because like there's so, it's kind of hard sometimes to make financial like stability. Yeah. So I mean, I actually disagree with you on that. Um, inherently, any any growing and profitable business um, on a large scale has the ability to do change. You're talking more in terms of like. Their, their media product or reach, but what's not being considered is the capital, right? Cap, money can do almost anything. Um, HP was a great example. It's HP up into the last couple of years, it used to have this policy where um, 
employees would be paid, I believe, so don't quote me on this, I was reading an article. They were allowing employees to take a certain number of hours per year, and uh, HP would pay them to go work on like a nonprofit, do nonprofit work of their choice. And, you know, is HP's product inherently something that will better the earth? Uh, probably not. They would be good. Maybe. Maybe better access to education or internet, but um, probably not. Um, but when you talk about making change at a wide scale, you know, where HP has hundreds of thousands of employees, that's when you really start to get um, a really massive effective change. You've got hundreds of thousands of people donating hundreds of thousands of hours into individual causes and efforts, and that's where you start to see a real impact of change. There is almost no venture on earth that can make that change and be that difference if they don't want to. The difference is that they don't want to, which is okay. There are a lot of ventures that are just in it for the money, and that's okay as long as the value proposition is there, as long as uh, they really do provide a service to the world, or, or customers want it too. There are ventures that don't provide a lot of value, and customers simply want the product. It's, it solves a little bit of a pain point. Um, kind of in between you guys, uh, I think almost any business is solving a real problem. Some are bigger than others, but uh, the the idea of you need a nonprofit to be solving real world problems. Sometimes that's how it is, but there's whenever there's a problem, there is a solution, and solutions usually make money. And like, I mean, probably ninety nine point nine percent of the time, uh, and that's not wrong. It's not wrong to be making money off of solving problems. That's what entrepreneurship is. Uh, and there will, whenever there is a big problem, there's always a way to solve it and solve it through business means. And that's usually how they get solved the best way. I honestly would kind of like, based off of what Liam said, I would honestly like, I would definitely agree with that. Like, I feel like it's definitely beneficial when there's companies who are highly profitable, but they choose to be philanthropic in the end. I see that being a really great solution to some of these issues, especially when it comes to like using entrepreneurship to solve big problems. That's something that I feel like is really important. Um, something I would like to focus on in my personal career, but that's a really interesting perspective. I mean, a really great example that would be like Apple, right? Apple apparently doesn't do anything that is like super beneficial and makes Yes, they make an impact, and yes, they provide a lot of value, and yes, they make some really neat products and innovate um, some of the coolest technology that we've seen, all the, albeit slower rate of innovation that we've seen in Silicon Valley uh, in the past few decades, especially. If you consider the rate of um, how fast we create computers and how fast we um, put them into extremely small devices such as an iPhone. But the combined ability of the money that Apple has sitting in the bank, which to date, correct me if I'm wrong, is like $300 billion sitting in cash. That's a lot of money. There are a lot of nonprofits that do a lot of work with less than a million dollars a year. Like, how do you guys choose to interact? Like, how do you guys go about interacting with other people? Like, how do you? Uh, I have to get out of my comfort zone. Like, apparently, I'm like pretty. Oh, yeah, you're an INT, whatever. Yeah. T-I-N-T. Going back to the 16 personalities, <laughs> you're a what? Uh, logician. So they say. <laughs> They're actually the ones who inspired us to take um, to take that test. So I guess I'll give them credit for that. Not that you need the ego boost, but whatever. The way I am, like I'm pretty introverted, but I mean, I I found a way. I got comfortable with seeking uncomfortability in some ways by just like seeking out what I really want to do in my life instead of just like wasting my time. And that's how I decided to seek out the right people and join the right clubs and 
talk to the right mentors and really put me in the right place to not only get the motivation, but to have the right resources that will lead me in the right direction. Do you think relationships are important? Massively important. Yeah. Huge. Like, hands down, the most important part um, building anything. The way that I'll go about it is I'll usually talk to just about anybody. And it's really interesting to me. There are, there are a lot of different, uh, everybody's kind of interesting in their own different way. So it's a lot of fun to talk to everybody that you meet and kind of find out more about them and who they are, what their values are. And um, a lot of people do networking uh, just for the sole purpose of being uh, professional. But I mean, it's great as that is sometimes, especially when you're like, you're trying to raise. Um, when you try, you go out and try and meet investors. That's awesome. But at the same time, uh, just going out and being friendly and meeting people and talking to people, but I think we'll get you a lot farther. Um, making real, lasting relationships with people, really beginning to understand them on a very, uh, very deep level with who they are, etc. Right, their values. If you could have one statement as to how you want to be remembered when you're no longer on this earth, what would that be? For me, I think that would be that. I inspired people to be their most genuine self. That would be my thing that I would be happy if I died tomorrow. That would be, if I could say I did that to at least one or two people, that would make me a very happy person. What would that be for you guys? I want to always be known as the guy that was always looking to hone my own personal experiences and my own skills for the sole purpose of doing better and inspiring others to do the same. Uh, life is short and your impact is the one thing that's going to be there. It doesn't matter how much money you make or whatever it is. Your goal is to make people happier and safer and just provide true value to the world. I don't, I don't care as much. Um, you know, our, our lifespan on this earth is fairly short comparatively to the amount of time the earth has been around. Um, really, I think that what's more important than necessarily how you remember it is, um, is what you did and how you treated other people. And, you know, that impact there will always be pain on this earth and always be suffering. Um, but if you lived a good and a righteous life and um, you, you did the best by other people around you, what, what you really need to deal with um, is more how, when you die. Um, what kind of person you've been. Would you say that that's something that's like kind of like they go together? The way you remember it is based on the way the actions you took when you were alive? Sure. How about you, Ken? I feel like I kind of agree with Liam in the sense of I don't have a particular reason as to how I want to be remembered. Um, similar to what he said, I feel like the ultimate purpose for me is to be a kind person and like I said previously, be a compassionate person to other people. But instead of spending all my time, which I know this might sound selfish, but to only leave a positive impact on other people rather than focusing that same energy on myself too. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be ultimately more authentic. You're going to naturally leave a very positive impact on people based on the way you pour that love into yourself. So I feel like, yes, they go hand in hand and I think it's important to be a kind of person who people remember for being kind and compassionate and loving outside of from yourself. Does that make sense? I know it's kind of selfish of me to say that, but I, that's just kind of how I feel. I just hope that comes across like in the way that I'm trying to explain it. So well, do you think you can unconsciously influence other people by just doing things for yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly like I would 
rather put that energy into myself and then have it transition to other people than like focusing my energy like changing every single person's life that I meet rather than just having it radiate off me that's what I would like kindness and stuff yeah like kindness and whatever kindness and whatever two things one where do you see yourself in five to ten years Ooh, I like that one I know that's really deep and like there's a lot of things that can happen in five to ten years but career-wise like, personally like, wise only enough don't know don't know and don't care what do you hope to happen in like the next five to ten years I mean, like, of course, I have dreams of building this, you know, multi million billion dollar company, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot to be experienced. It's more that, uh, especially in startups, as a founder, they start to limit um, what that looks like, you know, what industry or what age I'll do this. You're, then you really start to get into that like, that mindset of um, comparing yourself to other people. And really, I think, um, I think that dreams of where you see yourself in five to ten years are two different things. Um, you know, I can dream it to be successful, and that's what I can inherently um, want it at a very uh, deep level. But um, where I see myself and leaving that as an open door to get there is kind of the interesting part, right? Because then it, then it really leaves you open and um, vulnerable between opportunities and experiences. And um, if you know that uh, kind of the volatility or the or, or that's something that you crave, because what I crave personally is that, is that change in experience and being open to new ideas and getting to be on the forefront of this and whatever it means that that may be, you know, and other people may just uh, may not be you. Um, that's kind of why I leave mine a little more of the US guy. I really like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Uh, five to ten years. Uh, it's definitely hard to say where I see myself in terms of business-minded and everything. Like, I, I do want to continue seeking out opportunities and taking whatever I could to do whatever. I mean, I, I, I would want to keep working on whatever I'm working on now. But I, whenever I hear that five to ten years, it's, it's always like a weird question because every day comes differently. And every single day there's more opportunities and more failures. But I could say a few things I want. I see myself happening for sure in five to ten years. I mean, I'll be making decent money. I will hopefully uh, be married. And uh, it's so weird to say. No, I don't and, think so. Yeah. By um, 26? 25. 25. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's four years from now. Yeah. I'm 20. Well, five years from now. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of like business and everything, I don't know if that's too important because every single day you're going to want to continue growing and whether that's today or tomorrow or next week or five years from now, you you should always continue that grind mindset. I don't think there's any value in uh, like the idea of relaxing for too long. I think we're here because our true fulfillment is bringing value and our value isn't when we're just chilling. I don't know, man. I think you kind of, I think you got the whole meeting here kind of wrong. Leo know. can't just let someone have one damn answer. <laughs> <laughs> what if he just wants to get married? Why, why, what's so wrong with that? Oh, not, not, <laughs> not just married. Just, you know, your, your point, um, to the point of being on the search is not necessarily just to provide value. I mean, really the point of being on the search is to live and to um, experience all the different things that life has to offer. And, you know, we, we have talked about this a lot. 
very deep level, but uh, regardless of what you believe religiously not, uh, your your time on this earth is probably, uh, regardless of what you consider well spent, uh, your life is a series of experiences, right? Um, and really, uh, the sole purpose behind it is, and you know, we just talked about some last questions, you know, like, have a life that you really, you felt fulfilled, never progressed. Part in, you know, if you leave all of that for being professional and for grinding all the time, uh, you know, there will be immense regret on the personal side because life is inherently also a personal side, right? There's fostering relationships, being, uh, goofball friends. Um, <laughs> he puts his hands up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Oh, you know, just in summary here, um, value being a very transactional word. Tell a story to get here. Sorry, sorry. Some, some of this recording. Um, there's a there's a night a while back when me and Riley um, decided to after we're done studying, <clears throat> go get uh, burritos and go sit. Oh, you had fries, huh? <laughs> Not that that matters. Yes, yes. But that yes. Matters. I had fries. The hot uh, It's out in the car in the rain. Um, you know, no, no inherent value, just enjoying company and uh, someone else's presence and really focusing on living in the moment. Um, I think that being another core part of living in the moment as opposed to living too long term. Of course, it's important to have long term goals, but the moment that you begin uh, losing yourself in only long term, um, you forget to really enjoy the moment and um, lose sight of um, enjoying the experience, all, all of the experience of life has to offer from the day to day. You know, seeing people in the morning, or your your morning cup of coffee, or the morning breeze, or um, you know, coming into the center, you know, the center, the center here at San Diego, and um, seeing other people and enjoying the presence and things like that. I thought of value as the same thing as experience. Yeah, and just like an interchangeable word. Like uh, I I see that you <coughs> and Riley just hanging out and having a good time is still valuable. Like it, there's a, there's value to place on the friendships you have and the friendships you provide and all that just there's value in many things and I, I just wasn't thinking of it and like, I think like you make money off of it. You know? No, I think I see you got your both of your guys' perspectives. They're just like, yeah, it's like said differently, yeah. I think. Yeah. But I understand it's because all of this comes down to like your experiences in life, mm-hmm. what you value. What you see as an accomplishment in your life. I feel like everyone has a different like definition of what exactly like accomplishment would be to them. So, thank you guys both for being on this podcast. I've been waiting for this day for a very long time. I know you guys have been too. But anyways, if you guys have any closing remarks, go ahead and say it right now. Daddies mean business. <laughs> I'll leave it. I think I'll take it out. No, I want it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next Wednesday. Bye, guys. Bye, all. Bye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Baddies Mean Business Podcast. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Baddies Mean Business Podcast and follow us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify.